here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution. Today, we are going to Colombia, yes, Central America, and we're going to visit with an archbishop. This may be the first on this show. And this man was born on the island of San Andres. He's Caribbean. He speaks English and the native language of his land that is Creole and Spanish. Since he was a child, he grew up loving God and serving him. His parents, like almost everyone in San Andres, Islanders. He is the oldest of 11 children and from a very young age embraced music. He loves to sing. He loves to play piano, guitar, and praise the Lord in song. Also, find out about how he met Jesus as a young boy and also how he defeated cancer through prayer, fasting, and his unshakable faith. Ladies and gentlemen, you better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution with Archbishop Spencer Garnica Lever. Uh, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the Dharmic Evolution. I'm so glad to be in your country. Um, and are you in Colombia today, sir? Yeah, right now I'm in Barranquilla. Barranquilla is in the Atlantic. So I'm here in Barranquilla, capital of the Atlantic. Awesome, awesome. I, I had just such a good time chatting with you last week. And I also had such a wonderful time reading your bio and all of the things that you've accomplished in your, your short life on this planet um, yeah, to, to the, the betterment of others. And um, I want to just start off with uh, welcoming you as a brother in Jesus and uh, thank you to um, Archbishop uh, Christine Mercy Johnson for connecting us um, and bringing us together to have this chat today. So on behalf of, uh, you know, your organization and your title and all that you do, so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm happy also. Yeah, so let's start at the beginning. Like, you were born um, on the island of San Andreas. Um, so can you, so being a Caribbean man, um, can you give us the journey of how you grew up um, with your native languages, learning Creole and Spanish, and uh, tell us how the trail um, led you to where you are today. What were the beginning chapters? Like, what was it that, you know, entered your mind that you felt like you may have a calling towards God as a young boy? Yeah, um, from the island of St. Andrews, I, I remember I had 12 years. And um, I decided one night, um, I don't know, it was the first time I decided to pray. By myself I, I said I wanted to pray I don't know why I wanted to pray but I prayed and um, I remember that night I had a dream my dream was that I saw someone was coming down with the Sun and the Sun was so hot I said well whoever there I said please take down the Sun and burn him in. and a man walk out the Sun he wasn't touching the ground he was floating and he says to me eat this and he gave me bread and I ate it and he says now drink this 
I drink it with wine. So I says to him, who you are? And he says to me clearly, he says, I'm Jesus. I want to serve you. So I start to serve the Lord. In the morning, I woke up. I said to my mom, I had a dream. This happened to me. She says, no, I think what took place, you, you were hungry. You need to eat something last night. You didn't eat nothing, so you were hungry. I don't pay no mind with that. So um, from that day, I went to one of my friends and cousin, and uh, he invited me to the first Baptist church in the island of San Andreas. And I went, uh, I started to, to be member of the First Baptist Church. And um, what's so nice, I remember um, one night we had a, a revival and there was a preacher from Nicaragua named um, Reverend Morgan. And I was sitting down in a place so central and he appointed his hand to me. He says, you, the Lord says that you must be one of his servants today. So I, I look on the others that was behind my I said, that's not me. Uh, sure, it's not me. You have to be someone else. And um, he said again, and he walked up and he touched me. says, the Lord says that he needs you. Uh, no, at that time I had 14 years. So I decided to accept the Lord's will. And I, from that day, I started to serve the Lord. And I was the only man, 14 years that they had set, to start studying in the seminary because that wasn't permitted in that time in the island of San Andreas in the First Baptist School. So this church. So you I started my work. So you weren't even you weren't even a man. You were you were a young boy. And uh, what was the experience like after you had that epiphany and that that experience? of um, seeing Christ come to you personally, um, who could you go to besides your mother? I mean, it must have been a really, really difficult thing because you, you knew that people were just not going to believe your story, right? I mean, you, you, right. you probably felt like, you know, you're going to be ostracized because you're sharing this wonderful memory, this gift, this, this thing that happens to very, very few people in the world, and it happened to you. So how did you deal with it? How did you keep that to yourself? And like, how did you how did you deal with sharing it as your life went on? And with with whom could you share it with? Like, when was it that you felt like you you felt brave enough or old enough or mature enough to come out and just say, I don't really care what anyone else thinks. This is what happened to me. I know it's true. A really nice, nice question because I, I had it in my mind when in, in that age, I went to a, a cousin, a friend of my cousin's friend. She was belong, he was belonging to the First Baptist Church. Years he had around thirty years, and lots of experience because he has studied um, theology and all these things. So I went. His name was Harville Lever, and I went. He says Harville, I, I had this experience. My mother says that she believed I was hungry, so that's why I, I dream. But I feel something special in my dream. He says to me, "No, it's true. The Lord needs you." So he says to me, "So what you what what you gonna do for the Lord? He calling you." I said, "What I know to do? I just know to sing. I don't need to do nothing else." So he says, "Okay, you can start singing for the Lord." And um, I, I get strength because someone was believing what I says. Then he took me to. Reverend um, Cipriano Stevens, who was the pastor 
at that time at the First Baptist Church. And uh, then the pastor received my my petition to serve the Lord. And, and he says to me, so you can, the dream, I give it to him. He says, I know that the Lord needs you, Spencer. So it's time for you to, to serve the Lord. Because in my young age, from my eight years, I used to sing, but I never sing a hymn to glorify the name of the Lord. I, I used to sing a ranchera, Mexican songs. It sounds so curious, but I used to sing Mexican song, and I, I remember lots of those songs I used to sing because I was a, a young boy that I used to kind of, uh, try to get nearer I can to girls. So in San Andreas in that time, the way to kind of kiss girls was to sing a ranchera, what we call ranchera Mexican song. So I, I used to sing all these songs. It sounds so funny. Um, well, and that's the way I, I, I decided don't to sing the more Fanta songs and just giant in the church. And I start, I remember my first hymns was uh, How Great Thou Art. That was a wonderful hymn. I did like it so much. I love it. That's, I even have it in one of my CDs. You know, it's it's so funny how the universal language of music, God puts that in all of our hearts, and, and, and especially for us uh, men, uh, us males, uh, we all have the same thing. We all try to get the girls through music, you know, when we're, when we're young kids. It's like, that's the catch, right? You don't have to be a fisherman. You, you know, you just need to pull that guitar out and start singing. So yeah. I wanted to um, circle back just for a second. And you said something very profound. You said the, the Lord referred to you um, in your first name as Spencer. So that is, you know, that's a, that's a very endearing, you know, like thing to happen. Like, you know, the fact that he addressed yeah. you so, so personally. Um, and names are a big Chase. thing. So that he, you know, he obviously yes. um, wanted you to continue with the name because like a lot of us go through these, cha these challenges through our life where we change our name for some reason. Yeah. Um, and so... How did that feel to you when he addressed you as Spencer? You know, the first thing I did when they said Spencer, and after I was praying one evening, um, and I heard, he says again, Spencer, get up, pray with that boy that's on Spencer. I start to, to be so, I started what my nature being. So I start to investigate what Spencer means. And when I get to find out what Spencer means, now I understand why I am like this. Because Spencer means someone that provides for others. I said, oh my God, that's why the problem with Spencer. I can't see nobody in a need. I have to be there. I have to do this. You know, so Spencer, um, the name, the meaning of my name, I think it's a meaning of someone that God needs. Spencer, you will provide. Spencer, provide for others. And I think that my ministry, uh, based on that, I, I generally provide for others. And I have been there since then, especially for the youth. You know, it, it's amazing how um, God creates some of us to just care for others. And it's so necessary because... Um, everybody's not wired that way. And, and yeah. you know, you see people, and, and the other thing is he tells us not to judge for a reason because 
people that walk past others and don't do anything or they don't feel the compassion in their heart or whatever, um, they're on some kind of other journey. So we, we can't just be judgmental of them and say, you know, why don't you have the heart to help this person? Because maybe they're doing something else positive in their life that we don't know about. So I learned that lesson every day of, of not judging. Um, and I want to ask you about, you are the oldest of 11 children. 11. Uh, now that's a big family. So, you know, yeah. and I want to circle back to music with this thought in mind, because I think that's when you, you started getting interested in music. But before we go into that, tell me about the challenges and the responsibilities of being the oldest in a family of 11. How was that? Oh, my God. I tell you, um, it's, uh, I believe right now it's, it's nice, everything that takes part in my life. My sisters, sisters, seven sisters. I, I, I know I remember I had to woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I have to comb her hairs one by one, make some plaits in their hairs, and uh, help my mother to, to get them to school. And uh, at, at four o'clock, I would have to be, we had some, 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 some um, pigs, hags, pigs, and we, I have to go and get food for these animals. And after, I have to get home and help my mother with my daughter, my sister. And I have to take them to school, then get back home, get a shower, and go to my school. And oh, with something really, really hard. Sometimes we, we have a moment in our life that we had uh, difficulties, uh, you know, some of the problems. And uh, I had to go with my mother sometime and make some fishing. Uh, we live in the island, so we just walk around and get over our pants and lions and be fishing something to get eaten. And sometimes I have to cook. So I think I'm a good cook because from young I have been cooking for my sisters and support my mother working, my father. And um, well, oh, it was difficult, but, but, but I thank God for this because I think from that time the Lord was preparing me to do hard work. And uh, it's good. It was nice. I can't say it's not a fact. But it was nice to serve that way. Wow! Talk about responsibilities. So you were, you were actually um, taking on the mantle of being a parent as well as a big brother. I mean, that's huge responsibility. You had to prepare these kids for the day for school, take them to school, then come back and start your own day. So uh, you got You got to get a book out for this. This is this is one for the ages. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, it's true. I, I used to, my mother used to say to me, Spencer, I'm leaving out. Now, I need you make cook me rice, cook beans, do this, and I want you clean the house. And if I come back and I see just something where it's not supposed to be, I'm going to knock you. Yes, mom. <laughs> so when she come back, I, I was trying to map the house. I do this. So when, when my mother come back, everything will be nice. And if I make a mistake and didn't pass the cloth on a, on a chair to clean it, she come and she take her finger. She do like this. She says, Spencer, come here. What is this? Um, sorry. Sorry. She did this. And bam! Oh, God. 
but that that was the life <laughs> that was my life uh, that was my life and uh i i thank the lord so much really i thank the lord for all this yeah, it does. It does mold you, does it not? I I had some similar experiences, but but it was it's kind of like the military, you know. Um, but it, I just can't imagine the responsibility. So I want to ask you, how did how did music finally um, make its way into the crazy schedule of your life to allow you to start to explore and find out what was in your heart and in your soul musically? I'm going to tell you something. James, when I had completed uh, 14 years, I used to sleep. I had a walk along the street. If I went by my grandmother, I had to take three sisters with me. The youngest one here, and one holding my hand, and I tell the other one, hold here, hold on my pants. And we crossed the road running. And when I get to my grandma's house, I used to say, Grandma, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. She says, oh my God, Spence. Okay, Spence. Go get a rest. I'll take care of them. But when I hear the voice of my mother that was coming, I run downstairs and grab my sisters and says, let's go. Because I know that I passed the limit of sleeping. It was tough. Real tough. When I feel, um, and this is something important. When I feel freedom, <laughs> I can say freedom. I had 14 years. Then I start to military direct with the Lord in the church, visit, visit with the priest, um, with the Reverend Stevens, visiting the sick, going to the hospital, going to the jail, and so forth, praying for the people. Then when my mother said that I was really looking for the Lord, she says, well, really, this boy looking for God. So I will give him a time and thank God for that time. And after I had um, uh, 15 years, they had a program in St. Andrews. Uh, it was an international program that was called Bill and Mary. It was a program that was looking for good sunsters from the island. And I decided that I wanted to do it. So I couldn't tell my mother that I'm going to do it because she would say, no. Right. So I said, okay, okay. So I said, I'm going to try to appeal to my father. My father was a calm man and see what he says. I said, Dad, I want to sing. I want to do this and this. He says, talk with your mother and see what she says. He says, no. That's what she's going to say. Said, no. So I decided to do it, hiding everything, everything. So I decided to hide. I make some lies. And I go into the practices. And when I start to sing that song, um, the, 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 the director said, what's your name? I said, Spencer. Spencer what? I said, Gordon Kaliba. Oh, you have that in your blood. Because from the Gornika, they sing. And from the Liba, they have voice. So I'm going to put all your casta to play that song for you. And I think that is the moment when I start to feel, hey, I'm going to fly. So I get freedom at that moment. So do you feel like your mother, um, she probably, like she, she discounted that meeting when you were 11, when you, when you saw the Lord Jesus come and offer you the bread and wine. So do you think she carried that in her back of her subconscious the whole time? And then finally she had the epiphany and said, oh my goodness, 
He's in my own house, and he's been chosen to do something very special on this planet. Yes, I can tell you that. I believe all that she found out the night I won concert. I won the concert, and she didn't know nothing. But people that was listening by radio, they went home and says, uh, they used to call my mother Mamita, but her name was Verdilla. So they went and said, Miss Verdilla, did you know that Spencer win the concert? He says, what's concert? Spencer is sleeping. No, Spencer is singing. <laughs> she went to the room and she didn't find Spencer. So she went out with a stick. With a stick. She said, where he is? He's coming up now. So when she went out with a stick, her, her intention was to give me some nice, you know, <laughs> knock on my head. And uh, <laughs> when everybody, the family for my father was there, and they started to say, Spencer, Spencer. She walked and she said, where you was? And everybody said, please, Miss Verdilla, he won the concert for us. So he dropped her stick and she hugged me up and she says, I love you. But the next time, let me know. I said, but you would tell me no. He said, I said the next time, let me know. Okay, mom, that's it. So uh, that, that, that was the moment I think she had said, and she says to me the following day with Sunday, she says, Spencer, I'm going to get a, a jacket for you and a necktie so you can go church. Hey, good, good. <laughs> so from that day, Spencer life start to see what God wanted him to do. So you you arrived with the blessing and the understanding from your mother. Finally, she woke up to the fact that, you know, she was too close to you, and like what everybody saw as blatantly obvious in their sights and their mind, um, it took her a while because you were the, you know, you were the um, the you were the corporal. Or that you're the you're the field soldier who was running around doing all this work and helping with the family, um, and I think that never occurs to the parents to say there, there's a gift in my house I never opened, <laughs> and, and and you were that gift, so that was that was tremendous. So let's go to the first church you went to, and it was a Catholic church, and um, you were there, or or was it a Baptist church? Oh, it was a Roman Catholic church, right? And you were in there yeah. for, for ten years of training. Yes, but they, I, I but they wouldn't in, accept you. So what happened no. with that? Okay, it seems like was the gift I have. Um, okay, I, I generally, I, I would say, I will give you the uh, details with this because I generally don't do it. I'm conscious what I'm going to do. Okay. Um, I born with a gift. I didn't know what was the name of this gift until I, I decided to study here myself um i have that sometimes I, I i may sit here talking with you and looking at you and maybe i see someone behind you or some light and then uh, i would say james you have someone standing here with you please say hi hi to the person and you said no i don't have nobody here i said oh sorry I, I, i'm seeing too bad so i'll take off my glass i will clean it but I know that I saw someone. So I went to a priest, a good friend of mine, I won't mention his name, and I said to him, um, please, this is happening to me. And I'm in the first Baptist church, but no one gave me an answer to this. Can you explain this to me? He said, Spencer, you born with a gift, to have a gift. Maybe you're a prophet. I says, why you say I'm a prophet? 
I pray for that ministry. I, I don't want to hear nothing about prophet. He says, I believe you're a prophet, Spencer, because you have some some, some gift that the prophet should have, and uh, this is what happened. So talking with him, I decided to, to pray about it because he gave me the idea and says, pray about it. So I start to pray. Uh, they received me to prepare, and I accept it. So I leave the Baptist church, and I went there because really, um, I usually look at the TV when the, the priests, they come out with their robes, and I say, I'm not interested in that. I want to put on something like that. And I asked Pastor Wentz, why we don't use robes when we are preaching? He says, no, that's for the Roman Catholic Church. I said, but I love to dress in a robe. So for this case, I, I, I used to be near to the Catholic Church. And I used to like what I see they do. So I, I decided to, to stay there. And I received my, my opportunity to be in Sanford Bay, which is a place where they prepare you in St. Andrews for the Catholic Roman Church. Sanford Bay with the Francis, uh, Franciscano's um, church where we have a, a, a known priest there, um, Marcelina. He's also Islanders. And I studied with him and started the preparation. So for I stayed 10 years in the church and I made some choir. I didn't look music. Always I'll be with music. Bible and music. Bible and music. So I help a lot. And after um, he started to help me to, to see if they would accept me as deacon, uh, well, I have the preparation for it. And uh, you know, no bishop wanted to accept me. The first bishop, once I worked there and something happened, and I told him, I see this and this, so I believe you should do this. And he says, no, you, it looked like, like you have a demon inside. So um, I didn't like that word. And I went to another one and he says that, I yeah, for that time um, I, had, I had a daughter. And he, she, he says to me that I would have to deny my daughter. Uh, I said, no, it's a kid from God. I, I can't. Um, so I just decided to, to wait and see what God wanted me to do. So a friend, of, a cousin I have, his pastor in Bogota, he called and he says, here's a church, and so if you like to. And but they put to me a condition. They said, you have to marry. He says, but I don't feel to marry yet. I'm too young. I want to serve the Lord. And, uh, then you can't be the pastor of the church. Okay, so... I just wait and say, let's see what the Lord says. And then there is where um, uh, a lady I had a secretary once, she called me, Maria Luisa, and she says, um, Spencer, you still want to be a priest? I said, yes, I want to be a priest. I was so happy. He says, I have a, a, a bishop, but it's from the Anglican church. I says, I don't know much about the Anglican church. He says, Oh, it's similar to the Baptist and, and the Presbyterian, and so I said, "Okay, I'll accept." But I asked him a question: "They use robes?" <laughs> he said, "Yes, they use robes." So <clears throat> I fly from Bogota, from Bogota, and I came Barranquilla, and then she uh, take me to the bishop, and the bishop start to take me lots of questions. More bishop, he looked like he was an attorney. And he started to make me 
um, all day nights festivals. Yeah, he says this. You study this. You make this. Can you give me your papers? Can you this? So, yes. So after two months, he says, "Okay, um, we would like you to to come to a meeting with us." I did it. So they says, "Spencer, when would you like to get my name?" I says, first as deacons, because they didn't give me your names. He said, yes. We will take you as deacon. It's for a year, but we want you three months. After three months, we want you to be a priest because we need someone like you. He says, okay, use the bishop. So I accept. I accept. And I'm here. So the, Working for the Lord. So this, this was a real turn of events. Um, all of a sudden, God moved you to the church that you belonged in. Uh, because yes. that one just didn't, you know, for somebody to call like what you have a demon, it was clearly they just didn't understand. So they need to they needed to put That's a right. put a label on you to say, all right, I ha I'm in a position of authority. I need to say something, and oftentimes it's the wrong thing to say. So uh, thank God he got you to the place that you belong. And I want to ask you a question about: um, Can you share with us? Like a man who has helped so many people in so many different walks of life, is there one particular profound experience that you can share with us that you helped someone out and you saw, you know, kind of a miracle develop after the fact that, you know, you even either visited them, we counseled them, you did something for them and their life just transformed. Is there anything in particular that comes to mind that you can share with us? Yes. Yes, I can. And it's, 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 it's kind of a hurtful for me, but I can do it. Um, when I came volunteer and I was uh, a priest in the Anglican Church, I started to work in social work. Uh, I make a foundation, and uh, I was for work uh, with kids and old folks. So I start to work with kids. Um, one night I walked through a section they have in Barranquilla and I heard a noise in a house, a tremendous noise. And uh, I walk up and uh, I ask, what, what's happening here? He says, no, uh, priest, they, um, they taken out the demon out of the girl. So I said, oh, but why are they making so much noise? I didn't see necessary. I says, you do this with the authority and honor and function of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't see they have the bond of it. And I, so I asked them, excuse me, excuse me. So they were for the next church, different uh, creed. But they listened to me and they says, yes, we don't need to to help you, but I just want you to bow down your knees and pray and uh, ask the Lord to do the work. Okay, for that extent, so much in this case, so they did it, and I started to pray. I remember this demon believed this girl that was 14 years old, who was possessed too young in her body. And uh, a little boy there um, he says to me, let us call this name um, Carlos, okay? He says to me, um, priest, can I go with you? I says, don't you have a mother, a father? He said, yes, but I want to go with you. 
I says, how old are you? He says, 12. I says, oh, we have to talk to your mother to find it. I don't have nowhere to put you. But they offer, they offer me a room, a small room. So I start to work in that section with children. And I used to walk at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I find children on the road playing football. So I used to take them and going back to case, I take one of these boys, the same one that was says, I want to go with you. After things be better with me, uh, with the church, and so we take him and we start to give him his school. Uh, we get to give him university. Um, all these things, he, he was my right hand. And uh, one day, I, I don't know, I got sick. I had a cancer. I uh, had to leave off to St. Andrews. So I leave him there in charge with the other groups. And uh, when I came back, um, everything that was in my name, uh, so it seems like he'd think that I would die or something. He celebrated everything that I leave him care of. And um, the money I give to him to make um, his university, uh, he finished. Everything was okay. He get to be a man, uh, 20 odd years. And, uh, but um, uh, there was a few other boys, around 15 boys, that God gave me the opportunity. Uh, even I was ill to help them to study and done the university. And that was, well, fear for me, and that was something nice. And at uh, the same time, in the human line and in the spiritual line, uh, some of them uh, have been pastors, uh, pastors, some of them is apostles here, and uh, some of them belongs to other churches, but you're working, and that is good for me. How long did you suffer from cancer? I had five years, five years. Wow. We detected soon. Um, being I have, you know, knowledge about medicine, we detected soon. Uh, I called some friends, and they helped me out. So that is a big miracle that would happen here. When I went to this doctor, they make me the exams. And in my colon, they find um, uh, something like this. Uh, I had a Bad, big belly, much bigger than what I have now. Yeah, it was, it was really a horrible. And there was something in my colon like this. I couldn't go to God. Nothing. I was really bad. Uh, uh, I used to um, scent uh, myself, and I smell myself inside. It was tormented. And when I went, he says, "Oh, my friend Spencer, you have cancer." I said, "Okay, thank you very much." That's what I said. <laughs> okay. He says, "He says, Spencer." You are dying, my friend. I said, yeah, I know. I know, but I, I have to pray before I take any decision. He said, Spencer, this is not for decision. I have to pray. I said to him, I trust in God. Give me 15 days, I said. 15 days. I just want 15 days. He says, you sure of that, Reverend Spencer? I said, I'm sure of that, my doctor. He says, Spencer, you don't have much time. Yes, God, take decision of that. Please leave that in God's hand. You give me 15 days. He said, yes, you have to start King you and all these things. I said, okay, give me 15 days. So I went, I went car to him. I caught the chief, we called him, and come back to Port And I asked for help in prayer. 
I get a group of 12 persons and we lock up, start to pray and fast. I didn't eat, I didn't drink, no wine. I says, Lord, I put my sickness in your hand. Was moment really difficult because that was time when I even asked my family, especially my brother, to give me a hand. I didn't have no money. And uh, all my life I served the Lord by faith. It was difficult because I didn't have nobody to say, okay, I can help you. My church was is a real poor church, so I just tell them, let's pray. So we start to pray about this. After 15 days, I went back to the doctor. I remember I had to borrow 30,000 pesos, that would be around $20, I think. And we went to, I went to the doctor again. And I told them, I told my friend, I'm here. I want you to do the same thing you did to me when I came the first time. He said, Spencer, that's not necessary. Look, look, it's here. He says, you have cancer. I said, but don't you see me change? Uh, I feel better. He says, please, in the name of Jesus Christ, do it, please. So you meant, you meant to, take new x-rays, right? Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay. So they did it again. They did the exam again for me. And no, that, that ball that was in my color wasn't like this. It was a small, small thing, small thing. And it was floating. I, he says, I don't understand what's taking place. I said, hey, I know what take place. I smiled and I said, I know what take place. Jesus Christ healed me. Now, do you know what you have to do, doctor? Let me tell you what you have to do. Just lay me on that bed, open up my feet, I told him. Take something and haul it out. That's yeah. what you have to do. Yeah. He says, Pastor, tell me what you drink. Oh, my Lord, I can't tell you what I drink because you don't want to believe it. <laughs> I drink fasting moments. I drink the blood of Jesus Christ in my prayers. I believe it. And that's why you say the miracle in me today. And he says, I need you to tell me the truth. We will talk. And so he called 10 doctors and they start to look at different x-rays. He says, no, it's impossible. I said, there is nothing impossible for God. He says, Amen. choose the one who's sick. Uh, no, I don't sit now. I, I, I'm okay. I just have a skinny vein on me, but I'm okay. And he says, no, I can't believe what's happened here. So I told him, one of these days, when God give me the knowledge, I will come and talk with you, doctor. Just take out this. I had that in, my, in a buckle for three years ago, but I decided to do away with it. It's the yeah. past. Right. God healed me. God healed me. And I can tell everybody, Jesus healed he do miracles in our life. And I would like every one of us to, to, to get nearer, closer to the Lord. And, and put, I'm not saying that the doctor is not good. I'm, I'm a doctor in, in a natural medicine. But it's good. It's good to pray first. And that's God. He says, Lord, I need you to help me. I sure the Lord will do it. I'm Amen. Sure of that. Amen. That is, that is a fabulous story that, that, 
that makes my day, and I know it makes many people's uh, day to hear something like that. It's just amazing. And by the way, I want to congratulate you on becoming a doctor officially. I think it was only a week ago when we spoke, and you are now officially a doctor. So is there no end to the, the limitations of uh, this Archbishop Spencer? I mean, you just have uh, one thing after another. You just have so many different talents uh, that the world has uh, yet to discover. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thank you, my brother. Uh, brother James, I, I just try to study and do things that can help the church because I surrounded with poor people. Amen. Yeah. Um, ten churches that the Lord gave me opportunity to lift up and being being problems and problems, I stayed with three churches, um, and I stayed with the three poorest churches. So I decided to study and do what I can do for them. Can I ask you? So can I just I can I just interrupt you for a second? I want you to um, back up and tell us the story of how you got in a position to be serving ten churches or, or raising ten churches. Um, and, and all that goes with that, all the responsibilities and all the tremendous work that goes into that, and then how it kind of um, left you with the decision you had to just go with the three um, and the other ones went by the wayside. Okay. Um, some bishops, some bishop from Columbia here, when they heard about me and the work I was doing, they start to call me. And some of them said, so, would you, I can, I can help you with a priest. I can help you with a priest. I can help you with this one, with a deacon. I said, okay, good. I think it's nice because I, I have 10 churches and I, I can't. I, I have to walk. Sometimes I have to walk. Sometimes I'm still walking from Barranquilla to what we call Soledad. And that is 20, 30 minutes walking to get where I have one of the churches. Then from this church, I will have to walk 15 minutes more to get to another church. And then the other churches that I have to um, make a concert, sing some song, get some money so I can get for the bus, go by bus because it's far enough, an hour, half an hour, and, and so forth. So. They give me these boys to work with me. And uh, I decide, well, okay, we're going good. I can, but after a year, they stole the money of the church. They take um, the video venues, the, the computers I had at the churches. Oh, they done away with everything I had. And the people, they get the substantiation of this and they just decided, okay, Bishop, just make me one church. But it was difficult to make one church because those that was in Barranquilla was be hard if I take to come in the Atlantic. And those that is farther, it would be harder for them. So I take the three churches that was more nearer to us so I can handle it. Now I have two bishops. I have um, three um, Presbyterian ladies. Um, uh, priests, and I have uh, four or five deacons that I 
prepared in the seminary that we have here to make the study, the Bible studies. So I, I'm, I'm much better now. I'm feeling much better. And uh, that's the way I, I get to, to know Dr. Christine, um, the Archbishop from the Worldwide Anglican Church. And uh, I make contact with her and then I explain my situation. And uh, well, now we form part of the Worldwide Anglican Church. Congratulations on that. You know, it's it's amazing to watch the transformation of something that's so, um, you know, so downright evil. I mean, taking, you know, the material goods from an organization that is trying to do good for others and, uh, you know, just, it, it's very sad. But I, the, the, you know, the silver lining is that you're able to transform this and turn it around and now be part of something that's um, even bigger. And uh, your gifts, I know, are certainly appreciated by all that Christine does in her organization and now your organization. And on top of that, all of the things you, you continue to do, you continue to, to let nothing stand in your way, whether it's um, education, cancer, you've overcome so much. So um, I, I think you're just a, a light for people to um, you know, take comfort in. Uh, to know that, as you said, all things are possible in Jesus' name. Um, let's talk about music again. Now, you love the guitar and you love the piano. Um, I uh, think, I think, and singing is seems to be your main instrument. You know, so I love it. <laughs> so tell me about how do you squeeze this into your day now? I mean, you still have tremendous responsibilities. Maybe life has gotten a little bit easier for you, but um, how? Um, are you able to, like, given a, like, a, a day in the life of the week of Archbishop Spencer, tell us how it goes. Do you squeeze in, you know, an hour here and there for some songs? Do you sing, like, every morning when you get up? Like, what is your daily ritual when it comes to music? Okay, I, I tell you, music is every day, every hour, every second, every minute. Um... Before I sleep in the, in the night, starting in the night, I take my guitar and I start to sing with the boys and we pray, we sing. And uh, sometimes when I don't take the guitar, they say to me, oh, are you going to sing? <laughs> so yeah, we're going to sing. Um, in the church, every Sunday, every Thursday, every Tuesday, I have services. I sing. I sing. And, and sometimes I, I don't, and you see, uh, it seems like the church accustomed to see me sing. So the day I don't sing, someone would say, oh, Bishop, can you sing us a song, please? Uh, says, okay. So I would start singing one song, and then I'll go to two, three, and then we, we, we leave our church late, but everybody's happy. And sometimes I have concert. To, to make something special, to take up some fun, to help someone in the church, or to pay the temple, the, the, the local, because we, we don't have a proper church. We have a local that we pay our rent. So okay. um, that's the way we do here. So when we, we are tied to some money, then uh, everybody waiting for me to, to make a concert, something small. And what comes well is to pay building. Um, right now, um, I, I I would like to 
to go back to 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 make I have a long time to make a CD. Um, it's my dream. It's my dream. I have two dreams that I don't fulfill. It. Um, it's it's difficult, but I'm praying about it. One of them, I want to put a radio station to preach the word here in the section where we are. Um, but it's difficult because we don't have uh, that money to buy what we need for the radio station. Um, second is because uh, I want to take a CD. I want to take it this way, Spanish and English, and a preaching. Spanish, English singing, Spanish singing, and a, and a, and a, and a, and, and a preaching in both languages also. I want to, to close, sorry I talk this way, but I want to close my life, literally, that way. Singing, making a CD, English, Spanish, and a preaching, Spanish, English. So I wouldn't have to, to do, you know, just make a CD in English and one in Spanish because I have people that speak both languages that buy. Sometimes they, they don't have the money to buy uh, two CDs, but they have it to buy one CD. Right. So I think that that would be nice. That'd be awesome. Um, as, we're, as we're starting to wind down here, I want to just um, ask you if you could give any, um, and I think that's a fabulous thing, a legacy to leave, um, you know, for your community. Sorry, James. Can you please repeat yeah, I, I, I just want to say that I think uh, it sounds like those kids are having so much fun. I want to go out there and play with them. You know, they're having a good time outside there. <laughs> so um, I want to just, uh, uh, you know, comment that I think that's a wonderful thing that you're, you're going to want to leave as a legacy, um, a radio station, a CD and, in, in, you know, multilingual yeah. uh, CD uh, that combines story, um, parables and uh, song all together. Uh, it's what people need. So yes. I, I just as we're wrapping up, I want to know if um, there's any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience, um, perhaps a prayer. And I'd also like to, uh, as we exit, say a prayer for you and your wishes and your dreams that they come to uh, fruition, fruition in God's name. So why don't you walk us out with um, either any closing thoughts or prayer for those around the world who have been listening um, to your story? Yeah, I would like to do it. Can I ask you a question first? Sure. Is it possible, can I sing a trophy of how great thou art in English and in Spanish? I think you and should do that. I think you should do that. Okay. Camilo, can you pass me Okay. Let's see if I can do it here. Let's see. Thank you so much. It's okay? Yeah, you got a whole technical crew there. I love this. Oh, just let me fix <laughs> something here. You hear it, my guitar? Yes, I do. Oh, Lord, my God. When I an awesome wonder Can see the road the world I have made. I see the stars 
I heard the whirling thunder And there my God, how great thou art. Then save my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then save my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Señor mi Dios, al contemplar los cielos, El firmamento y las estrellas al oír su voz en los potentes truenos y ver brillar el sol en su cenizo. Mi corazón entona la canción. Cuán grande es cuán grande es Mi corazón entona la canción. How great thou art, how great thou art. Bravissimo, bravissimo. Great job, great job. You know, even though we didn't have all the technology master, your crew did a great job and, and uh, awesome, awesome. You got great range and tone in your voice. Very, very nice. Very nice. Amen. Amen. So, my brother, this, this has been wonderful. I, I so appreciate you and the journey you've been on and all the things you've done for so many people, the inspiration you give in your music, in your stories, in your path through life. Um, so any, any last words that you would like to, to share with people just to give them, uh, give, give them a nice goodbye and some encouragement on the way out? Yes. I would like to say to all our audience today, that it's good to serve the Lord. It's so good to help someone. It's so good to be merciful to others. And may the Lord, every day we do something for someone, the Lord is there. He will give us a recompense here or up there. I believe that God not only gave recompense up there, also up here. Do something for someone. Do it with love, with kindness. And I'm sure that the Lord will be there with you all the time. May the Lord bless each and every one of you. And I do hope that when you come to Columbia, James, I, we are here. Just come and get up and say, God bless you. you Thank knew, you so much. You knew that I was coming, didn't you? 
<laughs> no, no, I just ain't it. Yeah, I, I you're think welcome. It's in my future for sure. So, uh, okay. Archbishop Spencer, thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. It was a pleasure and honor to meet you and to spend time with you today. And uh, I just pray all of God's blessings uh, on your life, your children, your family, and your and your ministry. Thank you so much. Thank you. Studying language, studying theology, studying people, building churches, mentoring children, fighting oppression, fighting disease, and through it all, singing and praising Jesus. These are the stories, the adventures, the experiences, and the journeys of Archbishop Spencer Garnica Lever. Please find out how you can support this man and his mission by just checking the show notes. We'll put all the links in there for you. And I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this time spent today. So valuable. How about that story of curing cancer through faith? Through faith. He baffled the doctors. They had no idea what was going on. Just amazing. So good to uh, meet this man and become a friend and acquaintance of him and a supporter of him. I hope you guys will do the same. And uh, if you have not yet gone over to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page, please go over there and post your content. Let people around the world support you and your artistry. It is for singer-songwriters, musical people, and authors, speakers, and thought leaders. And for my brothers and sisters who love YouTube, you visual addicts out there, go on over to the James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel and see who's up this week on the channel. Last week was Jordan White uh, from Philadelphia, great singer-songwriter, and his um, video is up there the entire video you can check out all the songs his his own personal video is on there and uh the video of the interview on dharmic evolution so please check that out and if you're digging and loving this show please leave a comment on the blog let us know what you're thinking if you want more of this more of that more of something else please let us know good bad or indifferent good is always better and if you're feeling the value, share it with somebody. Don't be shy. Hit that share button, baby. And uh, that's after you download it. That's it for me today. It's a wrap. Thanks for joining me again on the Dharmic Evolution. I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.